I wouldn't call you a Christian. How would you like to pray for them? Yes. Please. Father, we do thank you for tonight. Thank you. and how to say it. Father, come up and help us. Lord, to just convey the thoughts that he has. Lord, to use his mind, help everybody to stay confident and be able to say what you said tonight. I pray you bless him and take care of him. Father, help us to have ears to hear what you have to say to us. We pray Jesus Christ in the name of the Amen. It's been quite a while since I've been up here. I think the last time I was up here was a year ago with the in-house missions conference. No, in, the in-house revival meetings. There we go. <clears throat> I'll get it straight, yeah. I, I have to admit, I feel very much obligated to try to carry on a tradition that's been started on Wednesday nights. But I can just hear Pastor Caleb saying, don't do it, Brother Howard, don't do it. <laughs> Sorry, Mike. <laughs> I don't know if you brought your, your, uh, your cards with you, to, but... Yeah, <laughs> I am going to, to uh, use one, um, one pun tonight, only because it leads into the message very nicely. So, uh, i get on the right page here. Anybody know the pun about the farmer? What was said about the farmer? Anybody know the, the pun about the farmer? Nobody? That he was... Yes! Yes! I knew somebody did it. <laughs> Thank you, Shannon. <laughs> that he was outstanding in his field. <laughs> I feel like, like I'm successful. <laughs> uh, anyhow, he was out. He was standing in his field. What was he doing there? What was he? What do you think? He was out there looking around. He was assessing what he could do to do it better, wasn't he? At least that was my take on it. He was assessing what he could do more of, better, to see a better harvest. Oh, that that could be said of us. My message tonight, I want to, I want to talk about or preach about the fields, a vision for tomorrow. Just a quick look here. It's already almost 10 after, so I promise not to keep you more than two or three hours. <laughs> He was assessing what he could do and do better. How about us? What can we do in this next year? Should the Lord tarry? And I think that, well, I don't know if he will or not, but if he does tarry, what can we do as a vision for the field for tomorrow in the coming years? We have a couple of pastors that have been really good about having a vision for moving forward. And I know um, <clears throat> I've been talking with Pastor Caleb, and he's got some good ideas for moving forward in a couple of, of uh, areas of ministry that has me excited. Also, he's been talking about um, maybe doing a little something with the back end of the building. Exactly what yet, but as the Lord leads. I will mention, though, that if you go over and look at the Sunday school wing, the old wing over there, it's starting to, well, it's starting to, uh, yeah, collapse on the inside, you know. <laughs> so... Somewhere down the road, if we continue, we need, to, we need a better Sunday school wing. We need to see more missionaries going out of here. Us, missionaries doing that that we can do. 
Proverbs 29, verse 18. Don't bother turning there. But you, you know the verse as well as I do. Where there's no vision, the people perish. We need to have a vision as we move forward into the future. And I think we have a couple of pastors that are more than willing to lead us in that direction. I think we have a God that's more than willing to lead us in that direction as well, to see his work carried on. So what do you see for tomorrow? Um, what can we do more better? Uh, John 4.35, Jesus said, uh, lift up your eyes. Lift up your eyes and look. You don't, don't bother turning there. Just, he, but he spoke about lifting up your eyes and looking on the fields, the condition that they were in for harvest. Genesis 8.22 it's kind of an interesting verse there. I don't know that I've ever, ever heard anybody use it this way, but it, spells, it says, while the earth remaineth, seed time and harvest will continue. Seed time and harvest and cold and heat and summer and winter and day and night shall not cease. Like that farmer out there assessing the situation and looking for what he could do better and maybe improve in this area and maybe needed more fertilizer, I don't know. <laughs> Um, he was looking for the, the possibilities for harvest are <clears throat> certainly still there, regardless of the conditions that we live in, the circumstances that we live in today. And I, I know it's getting harder. And um, well, we just had, we just heard about a missionary. What maybe what was it? Maybe three four months ago, killed over in the Middle East. Yeah, he thought the field was worth being there. The possibilities for harvest are still there. Can we do more? What can we do better? I have three places tonight I want to look at briefly, and then we'll call it a night. Three people that I want to look at and kind of give you their view of the field, what they saw in the field. The first one, if you take your Bibles and turn over to Jeremiah 32. Jeremiah 32, I want to look just uh, for a few minutes at him. And Jeremiah was an interesting guy. He was trying to stand in the gap, much like we are today. And uh, Isaiah 32, verses 6 through 9, if you will, please. <clears throat> in spite of the circumstances, and the circumstances that he found himself in in this chapter, they were not the best. They were not the best. Jeremiah 32, beginning with verse 6, we find that God got involved in this situation here. And Jeremiah said, The word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Behold, Hanamiel, the son of Shalom, thine uncle, shall come unto thee, saying, Buy thee my field that is in Anathoth, for the right of redemption is thine to buy it. Verse 8, For Hanamiel, mine uncle's son, came to me in the court of the prison, according to the word of the Lord, and said unto me, Buy my field, I pray thee, that is in Anathoth, which is in the country of Benjamin, for the right of inheritance is thine, and the redemption is thine. Buy it for thyself. Then I knew that this was the word of the Lord. He was trying to stand in the gap in spite of the circumstances. And if you notice that he was not well liked, <laughs> where was he when, he was, when this, this verse was, was uh, printed? He was in jail, you know? And yet... <clears throat> He was not well liked. Um, we, we haven't wound up in jail yet. I'm sure you could go to various countries around the world where Christians are, are in jail. But it hasn't happened here yet. And hopefully it never it won't. But verse 6 tells us, though, that despite the circumstances, God got involved. God got involved. It was God's idea here that he should 
he should buy this field. And it's interesting the way the, the wording is. It says, the right of redemption is thine. The right of redemption is thine. Now, I know um, the, way, the way that Israel had things set up was different than, than today a little bit. But it made me think, and maybe you can think of, you, maybe you know exactly where I'm going, but it made me think of the redemption, the right of redemption, if you will, that we have as Christians. If you turn over to 2 Corinthians 5, you'll find um, where, where we find our commission you know, to go, one of, the, one of the places anyhow. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and again, it should be familiar uh, territory with most of us. It was God's idea. We find a, a motivation here as well. <clears throat> Starting with verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And all things are of God who hath given us, I'm sorry, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. The right of redemption was, is, in a sense, is ours by commission that God has given to us. It's our responsibility. You go down on through there, Verse 19, I'm sorry, verse 18. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation, to wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. <clears throat> it just makes me think that... that um, I can do more. I should be doing more. <laughs> this, this responsibility that God has, has given to us, what can I do better? What can we as a church family do better in this coming year? Verse 20, of course, uh, again, you know the verse. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. The, the, the job that we have being an ambassador for him, an awesome responsibility, and I think as we look around us, um, I'm not going to pick on other churches. <laughs> I don't need to. But we can do better as a church family. I'm sure we can. Not just um, collectively as a, as a body, but as individuals. There's a world out there. There's a harvest that still needs to be worked in. And I, I may be saying that poorly, but um, notice here, too, it wasn't my idea to be a missionary for him. <laughs> It was God's idea. It wasn't my idea or our idea to be his ambassador. It was his idea. Think about how that God would choose someone you know, like us. Weak, you know. We fall down on the job. <laughs> we can't remember the verses sometimes, you know. Things come into our lives that, that um, distract us, and we don't get the job done. And yet, it was God's idea that he would use us. You know, the weak things to confound the, the wise, the, the weak, I'm sorry, the, how's that verse? Never mind. Um, I'm running out of time here. I got to keep moving. The foolish things to confound the, the wise, the weak things to confound the, the, those that are strong. And yet in Christ, we can be strong. We can have wisdom. Verse 9, back in Jeremiah, um, if you flip back there again for just a moment. 
Verse 9 tells us that Jared, Jeremiah, didn't, he didn't complain. He didn't say, Lord, I'm in jail. What am I going to do? I'm supposed to buy this field. I'm supposed to redeem this thing. What am I going to do? He went ahead and did it anyhow. He went ahead and did it anyhow. He was faithful in what God had asked him to do. Even though he didn't see how it was going to be accomplished, he went ahead and did it. He trusted God. He didn't look at the circumstances, but he had a vision of looking not just around him, but at what could be accomplished, looking ahead, thinking that God, if God is going to give me this field, he's going to lead me somehow. This is all going to work out for his glory and honor. And he looked ahead and he looked up. If you're back there in Jeremiah, and I hope you are, because you'd be there ahead of me. Uh, back in Jeremiah 32 again. Check out verses 16, 17, 18, and 19. We see where Jeremiah was looking for his help. In verse 16, Now when I had delivered the evidence of the purchase unto Baruch the son of Neriah, I prayed unto the Lord, saying, he didn't just, you know, take God's message and, eh, that's okay, you know, what are we going to do? He went, he turned to God. He wasn't just looking ahead without any, any substance behind it. He turned to God. He said, ah, Lord God, behold, thou hast made the heaven and the earth by thy great power and stretched out arm. Look at that next phrase. Is there anything too hard for thee? As we look ahead for, you know, for tomorrow, if God is in it, if he's leading us, is there anything too hard for him that he can't accomplish? No, there's not. There's not. Is there anything too hard for thee? Thou showest loving kindness unto thousands and recompense the iniquity of the fathers into the bosom of their children after them. The great, the mighty God, the Lord of hosts, is his name, great in counsel and mighty in work, all the ways of the sons of men. I'm sorry, for thine eyes are upon all the ways of the sons of men to give everyone according to his works and according to the fruit of his doing. We can go forward trusting God that he's going to uh, do what he asks us to do. Not just looking at the circumstances, but looking ahead and looking up and depending on him. Nothing too hard for, for God. Where, is our where does our confidence lie? It should lie in our Savior, in his leading in our lives. Uh, the next place I want to go, boy, I've got to hurry. 2 Samuel 23. 2 Samuel 23. Back a few pages. It may cost us something to go forward. It may cost us something to step out trusting God. It still may cost us something. There's a man here. There's only two verses here in chapter 23 that are written about him. And it's, it's kind of a... Here, here's a guy I want you to meet, a guy named Shema. He thought that the, the, the piece of ground, he thought the field was worth the effort. In verse 11 and 12, uh, these are 
some of David's mighty men. It's a list of David's mighty men here. And I think this guy is like the third, third one down on the list. And uh, verse 11, And after him was Shema, the son of Agi, the Hararite. And the Philistines were gathered together into a troop where was a piece of ground full of lentils. And the people fled from the Philistines, but he stood in the midst of the ground and defended it and slew the Philistines. And the Lord wrought a great victory. One word sums this guy up that I, that I see here, commitment. Not only being faithful to what God has told us to do, but being committed, having um, a vision of what God can do. And <clears throat> here's a guy that placed value on the field. How much value, how much commitment are we willing to place into what, God, into what we believe God is leading us to do in the coming days? How much commitment do we have? How much value do we see you know, on, the, on the field? He thought that the field was worth the fight. He thought the field was worth the fight. And uh, isn't that what Jesus did? He thought the field was worth the effort? Yeah. I mean, we're all here because of that, right? Because he went to that effort for us. <clears throat> Back in 2 Corinthians, if you want to jump back there again, I want to look at verse 14 and 15 with that passage I already read, or part of that passage I already, already read. Wow. 2 Corinthians 5 again. What is our motivation for this commitment? If you look at verse, verse 14, for the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead, and that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him. Unto him. You know, there, there are things that I do because I'm threatened. <laughs> you can just ask my wife. <laughs> but there's more that I'll do be, out of love for someone. You know, and the love of Christ constraineth us. What he's done for us should motivate us to do a little something for him. Verse 15, And that he died for all that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Jump down to verse 17. Again, for, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. You're not the same old person you used to be. You're on, you have a, a eternal destination that's not going to be in the lake of fire. You know? And uh, we have something that the world doesn't have. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ. Again, hath given us the ministry of reconciliation. The motivation for what we, we do should be out of love for our Savior. You know, it's, it's not the fact that, it's not that I, uh, in my own life anyhow, um, that I fear God's judgment for wrongdoing. It's more, a fact, more the fact that I'm, I'm, I don't like to disappoint him. And I know that, you know, there are times in my life when I do. Our commitment should be it should be motivated out of love for, for our Savior. A vision for the lost. A vision for the lost. Shema didn't just want 
to let the field go. You know, I can just imagine the conversation that day. You know, the, ar the army of Israel is, they're all in, in tumult and running around and they don't know what to do. And I can just imagine, come on, Shema, what are you standing there for? You know, come on, don't you know the Philistines are coming? Come on, they're going to get you. No, guys, I'm going to stand here. You know, it's just a field of lentils. Is it worth dying for? I'm going to just stand here, guys. You know, God, let's see what God's going to do. I'm just going to stand here. If you notice the end of that, the second verse there, it was God who wrought the victory. Shema didn't claim the victory for himself. It was God who wrought the victory. It's not, it's not of us. But 1 Corinthians 3.9 says that we labor together with him. We do, we do the, the seed planting like that farmer and, and, the, and, and the watering and put out the, the, the fertilizer there. You know, we try to encouragement. We try to encourage people. But it's God that gives the increase. He was, Shema was doing what he could do. What can we do? What can we do better? What can we do more of? The last place I want to go to, that time burned away so fast. Uh, I hate having to rush. Ruth. Turn over to the book of Ruth. The little book of Ruth, right after Judges. This book has always been a refreshing to me because the, if you, once you get there, I'll show you why. Get over to, uh, to Ruth. Joshua Judges Ruth, right before Samuel. <clears throat> look at the last, if you right there, look at the last verse of, of uh, Judges. The last phrase in that last verse of, of Judges chapter, what is it, chapter 21. It says, every man did that which was right in his own eyes. What a sad way to end a, a book. What a sad way. It just makes me think of America today, you know? And then you get the book of Ruth. Comes along next. And, and what a refreshing that is. Um, I know types and pictures found in the Bible, they, they break down after a while, you know? But Ruth, you know, to me, anyhow, is a picture of the church. <clears throat> In chapter 1, I want to look at chapter 2, verses 2 through 17. In chapter 1, we find she turned to God. She turned to God. Here's a, a Gentile, a Moabite. I think she was Mo Yeah. Who wasn't even supposed to be taken into the, the congregation of Israel. <laughs> the, the, Israel wasn't supposed to take the Moabites in. Um, but anyhow, God made an exception. God made an exception for us, didn't he? Yeah. And we get in on some of his blessings. Anyhow, she turned to, to God, chapter 1, verse 16. Don't bother to turn there. But if you read down through um, verses 2 here in, in, the second, in chapter 2, verses 2 down through oh, 16 or 17, somewhere in there, you'll find that she has a very humble spirit, a very humble and a willing heart. And unfortunately, I can't take the time to go all these verses, but it doesn't matter. <clears throat> we find here that she 
You probably know the story. She'd gone back with Naomi back to Israel. And in chapter 1, verse 16, she said that your God is going to be my God, your people, my people. Where you go, I'm going to go. She was committed to her, to her mother-in-law, to doing what she could. She showed down through this chapter a very humble and willing spirit. If you look at verse 2 of that chapter, chapter 2, And Ruth the Moabitess said unto Naomi, Let me now go to the field and glean ears of corn after him in whose sight I shall find grace. I have to stop there for a minute and think about some of the words, the phrasing of that verse and how it touches my heart because it should be something that I should be asking of my Heavenly Father. Can I go to the field? Can I go to the field and glean in whose eyes I'll find grace? Whose eyes do we find grace in? The eyes of our Heavenly Father. She was willing to go to the field. How about us? Lord, can I go to the field? Lord, can I have some of your grace to go to the field? What can I do for you today, Lord? You know, it just kind of, it touches my heart. Um, God took care of the rest. If you think of Boaz as a type of God the Father, again, I know it breaks down. Down through this chapter, we find that, that in verse 5, she came to his attention. Does your hard attitude come to God's attention? Does, does the way that we desire to move forward, does that come to God's attention? Verse 5 tells us that um, he wanted to know who she was. And um, we find that she came under his protection, verse 9. She came under his protection. So do we. She came under his provision in verse 9, verse 14, verse 16. God makes provision for us, doesn't he? In ways that we don't even understand sometimes. And As Shannon was mentioning tonight, how God has worked in her family and in her life. I'm, I'm sure we can echo that. All of us can echo that at one point or, you know, about something in our lives at one point or another that he's done for us. She came under his grace, verse 10. Again, I'm, I'm not even going to take the time to, to read it, but, and I apologize for that, but she came under his blessing in verse 12. If Shema's vision was looking for, um, to see what God would do when the circumstances were almost impossibly against him, you know, he was still willing to stand there and not give up ground. And if Jeremiah's vision was to be faithful regardless of the circumstances, what was her vision? Well, again, this is an I think, okay? It's an, it's an I think, so it's not necessarily scriptural. It's just what I see there. I think that she saw that the God of her people or the gods of her people were vanity. They could do nothing for her. But God was more than sufficient to meet her needs. And turned to him, I think her vision was of going forward and not back. If you notice, or if you remember, yeah, I'm sorry, if you remember in the story that her sister-in-law went back, and Naomi invited her to go back, but she didn't. She went forward. 
There's no way we should be going back, <laughs> but only forward in, the, in whatever time God gives us in this year or several years or however long God gives us. I think she found that God satisfies. God satisfies in our lives as well. God is more than sufficient for us, not just to live day by day, but to move forward in the direction that he leads in. God is more than sufficient to guide, to bless, to provide, to help us, to go forward when we turn to him, to, take, to carry us forward. She got in, Ruth got in on something, I'm sure, that she never, ever thought could happen. But she got in on the lineage of, of Christ. What a blessing. What can we get in on? You know, the, I know we have, we have a, a, a hope set before us, but I don't think that we have maybe the smallest little gleam of what it might be, you know, over on the other side. What are we going to be getting in on? What can we do more to see others get in on this as well as we move forward? <clears throat> Our God is more than sufficient. Oh, that we could be hot and cold in the days that lie ahead. Hot and cold both. And you can ask Pastor Caleb about that. <laughs> And, all right, it's, it's 25, love. I have to stop. Pastor Caleb, it's on you. <clears throat> Amen, brother. Brother Bacon talking about the vision. And... There are a whole lot of thoughts in my head, in case you are curious. It is, there's a lot in there. Uh, you say, what, what are you doing? Uh, I'm doing exactly that. I'm standing there thinking, what can we do different? What can we do better? What can we do more? How can we move forward as a church? Uh, how can we move forward individually as families and as people? Uh, and what can we do more here as well as abroad? And trying to reach more. Uh, Jeremiah, Brother Bacon, I've got your alliteration for you. Brother Jeremiah was compliant, Shema was committed, and Ruth was contrite. There you go. You can fix that for next time, Brother Bacon. Um, but that's what we need. We need to be willing to do what the Lord tells us to do very humbly, very simply, and be committed to doing exactly what He asked and just stay with it, even when it doesn't look so great. We're in a world today, uh, I was talking, Brother Paul asked me to write up something for him for... Uh, his pastor's conference over there and and what they're doing and I said I said the thought of just people gathering together I mean we gather together here and it encourages us could you imagine if you know that they're not they're not just going against you as a as a society they're going against you as a country uh we're not quite there yet here uh but the day may come to that and you go well what'll help you uh forsaking out the assembling of yourselves together and so much the more as you see the day approaching and just helping and sticking together and staying and keeping looking forward to what the Lord is going to do. So I appreciate that, Brother Bacon. I really do. Uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer and we'll be dismissed. Father, we thank you for the night. I thank you for your goodness and your mercies to us. Lord, you are amazing and wonderful. And I do pray that you would help us to, uh, Father, have a lot of wisdom as we go forward. I pray you'd help us to be uh, Father, contrite and be able to listen and heed what you have to say and be willing to do what you ask of us. And Father, we'd stay committed to the cause of what you've, what you've given for us. Father, the life you've laid down so that we could have eternal life 
and be able to share that and give that and to show that to a lost and dying world. I pray you would bless us as we go. We love you and we pray you'd come back soon in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Get home safe. Good night.